1: Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on the show this week. Thrown to the Wolves, Newcastle leave Molyneux with no points and no positives. Arbitrary Nonsense, the latest episode of Netflix's least engaging legal drama. And when one tribe goes to war, why we need to rid ourselves of the enemy within. Hello, I'm Taylor Payne, and this is Pod on the Tyne, and joining me, as always, are the Athletics Newcastle United correspondent, Chris Woff, and our senior writer, George and Chris, I heard you've been suffering after a bit of a cheap curry at the weekend, is that right?
2: Yes, it was my brother's stag do on Saturday, oh, so we went to York. Good. But but because um, I was married during uh, the pandemic, and I didn't get to have a, a proper stag do, I, when I turned up at the station, I also found out that I had to to dress up for the occasion as well. And so my brother was uh, put into a, a Sunderland full Sunderland strip with um, it had that he had the. The guards for his uh, for his chins on on the outside of his socks, and we had a, there was an in joke in terms of on the back of his, back of his top. But then I had to wear a referee's outfit for the full day, uh, full like referee's <laughs> kit, and I had the uh, red and yellow cards in a, in a in a in the, the, the booklet, and I had to go around. and I was I was given the kitty, so basically it meant that I had to walk around York with the with the kitty, and every time I had to go and order everyone's drinks. So, um, but yes, then when we got back to Newcastle, I, I had a very cheap curry, and so I've been suffering ever since. Oh dear me, Chris!
3: Wearing a referee's outfit all day, thereby in no way confirming your image as a social deviant.
1: <laughs> I always imagine Chris when you were a kid, and and people used to say, "Oh, you know, do you want to be a footballer when you grow up?" And you just would just go, "No, I want to be a ref."
2: <laughs> I would be a bloody good referee. You would
3: be an excellent ref, yeah. Who wants to be a ref? I mean, I, I this is getting I know this isn't the subject at all. I've, it's like all this thing about respect to referees. I, I wasn't brought up to give respect to referees. No. I was I was brought up to think of referees as absolute weirdos. I mean, who wants yeah. to be
1: a referee? Weirdos, absolutely, George. I don't have respect for
3: that. And now I don't have respect for Chris.
1: <laughs> did you have that anyway uh no. george you uh, you had to try and stomach uh, wolves versus newcastle didn't you how have you been have you been okay this weekend uh,
3: we'll come we'll come on and talk to that yeah i'm okay how are we you are. Taylor?
1: Um, well, I've I've been a little bit under the weather this week. I had a I came down with a bout of tonsillitis during the week, oh, no. and uh, I've uh, I've been feeling a little hoarse, uh, which has led to me being subsequently banned from uh, Northumberland Shetland Pony Museum. Uh, but that's a, <laughs> that's another thing altogether. Uh, but yeah, so I'm stick all right now. with
3: us, folks. It won't always yeah. be this bad. I promise.
1: <laughs> I don't know if we can get away with that joke, but we'll try. Uh, but yeah, you can probably tell I'm I'm a little bit raspy. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Barry White today. Anyway, just so you know, The Athletic is still offering 33% off new subscriptions to podcast listeners. So get yourself to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and take advantage of that wonderful, wonderful offer.
3: Come on, you Maggies.
1: Right then, chaps, let's start with that. Defeat to Wolves, uh, 2-1 down at Molyneux. another vintage encounter and another premium fixture discarded by Chris Woff. Uh, George, you had to suffer the uh, the ignominy of uh, a trip to the Black Country in the pissing rain, uh, and to add insult to injury, you had to report on yet another defeat.
3: I did, yes, I did. Um, I can't say I enjoyed that. I would say at this point that I was paid to be there, unlike <laughs> the, uh, the Newcastle fans who, um, mm. who filled out the away end. And so I do, before we get on and talk about the match, I do want to sort of uh, give a shout out to them. It was a sold out away end. I knew quite a lot of people. I had, a, I had a lot of friends in the away end this weekend. And to a man and woman, they've all said that the atmosphere was really flat. And mm. that just makes me feel very sad. Um, yeah. the 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 nature of the away end is that it was very long and thin, thin and stretched along the bottom of the of one of the main stands so it wasn't that kind of area where you're all bunched together on top of each other and perhaps that had something to do with it but they've just all said how flat how flat it was and i do think that kind of sums up the the state of the club at the minute where people sort of know that their anger won't really lead anywhere and it was a yeah, it was a miserable afternoon by the end of it.
1: It absolutely was. I mean, Chris, the, the main thing we have to to touch upon first, really, is, is Steve Bruce's future, isn't it? And obviously Watford have dispatched uh, their manager this week. And uh, what's, the, what's the kind of the current take on Steve Bruce? I mean, it, it pretty much looks like he's not going anywhere, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, well, Newcastle and Watford are basically polar opposites in terms of the way that they approach things like this and certainly in, I mean it's been Newcastle in general to be fair for most of Mike Ashley's tenure but certainly since the, the, the ongoing takeover saga and trying to sell the club that Newcastle, Will not be proactive about this, whereas Watford are either extreme and will sack managers at the first opportunity and do it far too regularly. I think they're looking for their thirteenth permanent manager in nine seasons or something like that. And their statement was interesting, and they talked about the sort of build-up of negative momentum and that things started to go away from them. For Newcastle, that isn't that isn't how the current board viewing, as far as we're understanding at the moment, it doesn't look like. That there's going to be any change over the course of this international break. Newcastle are seven games in. They've only won seven of the last 37 in all competitions. I think it's 37 points in the last 38 Premier League games. They're, we They conceded the joint highest number of goals in the Premier League so far this season. They've got the worst expected goals against. But Steve Bruce is still there and despite fans chanting for him in the, the last four games despite Newcastle having been booed off in just about every single game so far this season the, the hierarchy don't look at things in the same way as supporters and so supporter opinion is not what they're taking about here Steve Bruce obviously has a significant compensation that he would be due if he was to be dismissed and so for now Newcastle are going to stick with Steve Bruce and they believe that, uh, that performances have been better than results. They also point to the fact that Callum Wilson uh, should be back soon, John Joe Shelby, Martin Dubravka, and they think they will make a significant difference to the team, which there may in many ways, but equally, the squad that Steve Bruce has and the resources he has, this team should, could be and should be doing far better, in my opinion.
1: Bruce has said, George, hasn't he, that he's trying to change the way that we play and trying to find balance. He rolled out this quote again, um, but he's said the same thing for over a year, hasn't he?
3: Yes. Here we go. Here's the quote. We are trying to find a balance to the team, and we are trying to change the way we play. And he said those words 12 months ago after a draw at Wolves. And here we are now with Bruce attempting to change the way, you know, the way the team played. They are playing in a different way. You know, they're playing more expansively. They're taking more shots and so on and so forth. And he's still talking about balance. He talked about balance again after Saturday. How long does it take to find balance? And how long does it take to change um, the way a team play? You know, if we remember when Steve Roos arrived, he talked about wanting to change the way they played, but the players were more comfortable playing in a certain system, which was more defensive. Newcastle now have the joint worst defence in the Premier League. So they've gone they've gone the other way. And it ju- it's just part of this sense of nothing ever changing, nothing ever happening, nothing getting better and still being in this sense of sort of limbo. And, you know, you look at... I've, I've sort of said this a few times on Twitter over the past couple of days. You look at every other club in the Premier League, more or less, and you can say that you you know—you either know what their plan is or you know the way they're going to play and or you know what their identity is. It doesn't work for some of them, but you know what it mm. is. You don't know you, anything about yeah. Newcastle. There's, you know, there's no plan at Newcastle apart from ticking ticking over or ticking along whatever it was Bruce said a few weeks ago. And you've got the manifestation of that on the pitch. Here we are, still in this sense, not knowing what they are, not knowing what they're trying to be. And, you know, it's, it's obvious when they play, and it's obvious in the stands as well
1: it is like the, the performance in general Chris as well it it wasn't particularly inspiring was it and Alan Maxman is is ploughing a lonely furrow up front uh, ch- trying to play him as a as a as a striker or is he I, I don't know whether we're trying to play without a striker or how how we're actually approaching this at the minute but there seems to be an, a massive lack of focal point in the team and when you compare that to wolves uh, and Huang, who was playing up front for them, and Jimenez, you just, it's like chalk and cheese, isn't it, those two teams?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll just caveat whatever I'm about to say with the basis that I own. I've only seen the extended highlights of the game. I didn't see the full match, so I, I can't comment on, on the entirety of that game, but I have seen there are other matches this season and over the course of the last few weeks. And Alan sant Maximan up front is creating problems for the opposition he's the one who still looks like he's going to make things happen for Newcastle but there's still that part of you that wonders if he was playing off a proper striker then would he be creating more opportunities for them? Would he? Would he actually be in in a freer role? Almost, he seems burdened up in that front role. And you look at—we've mentioned it every week—but I'm doing a piece over the next couple of days, looking at the sort of the Dwight Gale situation. Newcastle at the minute are playing a century without a centre forward or without a centre forward. Drifts still Chris, forward.
1: doesn't he? As well, he drifts. He drifts left and right. He, he's very rarely central. Yeah, and it—I mean, he comes wide and comes deep to get the ball, and and it just leaves a massive gap.
2: I mean, Man City play without a centre-forward, but Man City have players who contribute goals <laughs> yeah. all over the pitch. Newcastle have only got two players who've scored more than one goal so far this season. One of them is Callum Wilson, who's missed the last four games. The other one is Alan St-Maximin. Almirón has barely looked like scoring this season. Joe Linton has had a few opportunities, but we know isn't a clinical finisher. The midfield doesn't contribute enough. Joe Willock's stats are down significantly in terms of an attacking centre. I wrote about that on the Athletic last week Sean Longstaff's got one but he isn't looking like he's going to score every week Newcastle don't have enough players to be able to to play in a way where they don't have a recognised centre forward and that's why it remains baffling that, that Dwight Gale doesn't get that much game time he came on at the weekend uh, and I think Dwight Gale's had eight touches in 20 minutes of football so far this season that's how little Newcastle fans have so, seen of him. There was, and yet Callum Wilson has been out for the last four games and he missed the final 20 minutes of the Southampton game as well.
3: There was something quite interesting on Saturday, tactically actually, which I wanted to sort of bring up, which was that um, Isaac Hayden started off in a what I would sort of describe as an elevated midfield position. He was pressing, the plan was obviously to press Moutinho and Neves and um, to harass them. And he was he was doing it. He was blocking, he was winning the ball. And suddenly, once he'd done that, he was actually then sort of augmenting the attack. And I thought that was kind of quite interesting. You expect to see Willock or Longstaff further forward, um, you know, possibly carrying the ball or possibly doing something with the ball. But Isaac was getting up the pitch and and sort of doing that um, pressing job, and I thought that was actually quite effective. Now they then concede the goal, and the first thing they do is is then go back to five at the back, and 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 Isaac bless him, having sort of been doing a completely different job, is then back to playing in the right side of centre half. And anyway, and then you know by the end it was it was the usual. Obviously, Willet goes off that sort of disrupts, um, and by the end it's that sort of usual sort of shapeless stuff but i i just thought that you know the first 5 10 minutes i thought newcastle actually played quite well and were getting were causing wolves some discomfort but it was then sort of discarded very quickly
1: we seem to struggle to react george this is the thing when if something in the game goes against us we we tend to find it difficult to react and how to change and what we're going to do i mean the 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 standard response seems to be shuffle it to a back 5 and hope for the best
3: or pile players on you know or pile players on if you're chasing a game um, but and yeah, I agree. I don't think that's Steve Bruce's strong point. I think there is that, um, you know, sort of t- making tactical changes within the game. I don't think Newcastle are very, uh, uh, a very effective of that. But the thing is, they're not effective at anything at the moment. That's the that's the point. And even though they're, t- you know, taking a lot more shots, for example, than they did uh, last year, shots and shots on target. I think they're in the top you know, they're they're certainly in the top half in the Premier League with those, they're scoring less goals. So they're being way less effective at the back. I mean, they're not being effective at all at the back. They're all over the place.
1: Even with two Javier Manquillos on the pitch, they're still all over the place.
3: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, well and that's you know, that's that's something else. I, I mean I did notice that in the second half and um yeah, and then a few people on Twitter sort of noticing it. I didn't know didn't know what was happening. So just to explain, yeah. Javier Manquillo, <laughs> who is Newcastle's number nineteen, was wearing the number nineteen Manquillo shirt, but it then soon became obvious that Federico Fernandez was also wearing a number nineteen Manquillo shirt, um, for no obvious reason. I have made inquiries. Um this isn't it's not like an official official inquiry, but I've asked somebody who was in the dressing room on Saturday and they weren't they weren't aware of it at the time. (laughs) Um and so in other words, there wasn't some sort of big, big thing about Manquillo breaking his nose and blood being everywhere. Yeah, it tends and, to be if there's you know, blood
1: on the shirt or something like that, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, but he would also tend to have a replacement. You know, they would also then have tend yeah. to have replacement shirts. Um, and but 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 the, this person said that they sit next to each other, and so players often change shirts at half time. And the theory was that because they <laughs> well, sit next general. to each other. He's picked the wrong shirt up, so. Amazing. But it's it's another one of those things that um doesn't look particularly great. The optics of that is the is the modern phrase, isn't it? The optics of that. The optics, yeah.
1: It doesn't look great, does it? um do, I mean wolves? Wolves came at us with some, you know, with some force, and that that front two that they had, they. they the the two goals were almost identical, weren't they, Chris? The 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 ball through by Jimenez for for Huang on both of the goals was it was like a mirror image of each other.
2: It was, and the thing that uh, Tim Spears, our colleague who covers Wolves, wrote about in the Athletic was exactly how Wolves had worked on this all week, and that that, that this they had ex- they identified these weaknesses in the Newcastle side, had worked out how they were going to score those goals, and and the gap, I mean, the actually more concerning for me than. The two goals that conceded were, and and I, this was um, Kev Lawson on, on on social media. Actually, I think who did this. He does the um, he does YI Scout, which you might have seen uh, yes, a lot of analysis yeah. that he does on social media. And he, he showed that the the chance that when Jimenez hit the bar, and bizarrely that Kieran Clark has the ball about halfway, two thirds inside the Wolves half. He's dribbling with the ball, and there's six Newcastle players ahead of him. And Wolves break, and suddenly there's just so much space. It just shows a sort of. Mm. There is this. It feels disjointed the way Newcastle play at the They are piling more bodies forward. They are. Creating more opportunities in one sense, but it it also just feels a little bit forced. It doesn't feel like that they've yet found the way exactly how they're trying to play and what the way forward is. And then so other opposition teams, when they are doing their analysis, when they're looking ahead to matches and they're thinking, how can we how can we pick Newcastle off here? How can, how can we uh, overcome them? And and obviously Wolves identified this way of going direct in one sense, but then playing off him and 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 then sending other people through. And and they, as you say, they score almost exactly the same. Goal Goal twice and the fact that Newcastle didn't learn within the game itself is also worrying. Well that's that's the thing,
3: Chris. It's like it's to go back to the first game of the season, when Newcastle lost 4 2 to West Ham, Bruce said we have to tighten up. Well, where is the tightening up? What have they been doing? Because they're not tightening up. They haven't tightened up. It's exactly the same. I mean you know, to to, to concede the same goal twice effectively, I mean, you know, him and there was it was brilliant the way he turned and brilliant the way he found space and you know, you know. It's, let's let's acknowledge how 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 good it is, and heartening it is to see him, him him back and playing well again. I mean, I wish Absolutely. he hadn't against Newcastle, but um, you know, really just quality uh, on the ball. But you know, and the and again, Steve Bruce says I don't remember my keeper having a save to make. Well, maybe he could have tried a bit harder with those two goals. I mean, that might be one thing. I mean, I know that's a bit cruel on Carl Dallo, but it didn't strike me that he was is sharpest but then again I'm not sure any keeper could be with that in front of him and you know it's that thing okay if you recognize that you need to tighten up in the first game first game of the season why haven't they tightened why haven't they tightened up you know why hasn't why haven't they found a formula um, over the space of eight games in a couple of months to address this
1: yeah, it's it, it's becoming a bit of a worrying situation and obviously we're still without a win and the, the winless five from last week became the winless four after Leeds beat uh, Watford. It's a very real threat though, isn't it, Chaps relegation this year? I mean, we're, we're deep in the shit here,
2: let's be honest. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, the fact that Newcastle are second bottom, they haven't won any of the opening seven games. I mean, they have this record as of last week. They were the only team to have. Uh, I think it was six times in the Premier League era failed to win won any of their opening six. I think they're now. I think they've done it three times without won any of the opening seven, and they survived last time. That was under that was under Benitez. Benitez's second season when they were back in the Premier League, twenty eighteen nineteen. So, and they aren't yet cut adrift. and the fact that there are three other winless teams still. But it is, it is concern. I do think that Callum Wilson, Martin Dubravka, they can make a difference, I also think John Joe Shelby can make a difference to the way Newcastle play, even if I'm not uh, necessarily his biggest advocate, and I know other people out there think that the team struggles defensively in many ways, but I also think the way Newcastle have been trying to play over the course of the last few months really relies upon John Joe Shelby being in midfield and being the person who can release the likes of San Maximan. And so th- there are... Reasons to feel that Newcastle can start winning games again, but the the, the concern is genuine, and fans I, I can I fully appreciate why many fans are really really concerned because the, the 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 fact that Newcastle can't win games when, in some ways at least in an attacking sense, they are playing better than maybe 18 months ago, 12 months ago is worrying in itself because we saw that under Steve McLaren and Newcastle just couldn't win games and eventually if you if you don't win games that you either are, are, are in and it's a sort of coin flip or arguably deserve to win certainly that they did the, at the, the Watford if you can't win those games then at some point it's going to catch up with you and it's it's almost the opposite of sort of Steve Bruce's first season when we always always said that Newcastle were outperforming the metrics in some games this season it, it, it's been alternative but equally not defensively because Newcastle are just conceding too many chances in that sense
3: the counterpoint to they can win games as you say Chris is that they're not winning games and it's not just that they're not winning games this season they've won seven games in all competitions in 37 games two of those games were against Fulham and Sheffield United at the end of the season who'd already been relegated and then we've gone through a summer when and I don't care that the club won't want to hear this, and won't agree with this. They've demonstrated their own lack of ambition by not strengthening the squad, in fact leaving the squad weaker than it was last season. And I do think this is really important. I mean I think this is really important for loads of reasons. But it's important internally to push players. And players, you know, players want to play. That's what they want to do more than anything else. But they all want to get better and they all want to be pushed and they're all confident that they can stay on the team. You know, they want new signings to come in to push them and to improve them. And so Newcastle have gone through a summer where they haven't been pushed, you know, they're not pushing and they're not improving. And then you've got the head coach saying, two or three weeks ago, you know, whether it was him misspeaking again or not, I don't know. I mean, it was terrible PR, albeit it was accurate, when he says, I've got to keep us ticking along to stay where we are. Because that's not pushing either. So nobody is being pushed. And that is my concern that at some point, all right, you know, we've gone through this, these these eight fixtures which haven't been particularly awful you know it's not been an awful start to the season in terms of the teams that Newcastle have played and they've not found a win so I think it's okay to say Wilson comes back and they get better and and they do but you know at some point they're also going to come come across teams who will take more advantage of the fact that they can't defend you know and so that is my concern yes they can win games they have got players who can win them games but they don't win games
1: Yes, absolutely. I can, I can see us coming up against one of the big boys and getting absolutely battered very soon, I, and I can imagine that would happen. Okay, let's have a little break, and we'll be back after this.
3: This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham.
1: so newcastle set uh, an attendance record this week the competition arbitration tribunal here in between <laughs> what's that no it was fun george it was a funny good
3: line. i apologize i'll That's do it again time. i
1: thought i had fucked yeah. up or something sorry no. no okay try again so newcastle set uh, an attendance record this week the competition arbitration tribunal here in between the it's competition football... appeal tribunal well i'm reading what's on the thing Chris i
2: know i'm just i'm just i'm just i'm just correct me i apologize <laughs> honestly
1: so, Newcastle set an attendance record this week, the Competition Appeal Tribunal hearing between the Football Association, Premier League Limited and St James's Holden Limited. So, 33,000 Geordies tune in to the Honourable Mr Justice Miles and Co., which means Newcastle now has 33,000 new legal experts.
3: <laughs> what a fixture. What a fixture. That was.
1: Oh, God. Here's on the arms, George. Here's on the arms. We didn't learn an awful lot, although uh, there were some tantalising cryptic remarks from both QCs. Uh, but there was one fairly concrete takeaway, wasn't there, Chris?
2: Yes. Yeah, so this, t- t- we're going to have to presume some knowledge from people who are out there for who are Newcastle United fans. And if you're listening, you're not a Newcastle United fans. As George asked last week, "Why on earth?" But if you if you <laughs> are would a Newcastle do this fan, to we, you just <laughs> spare yourself.
3: Spare yourself. Yeah. Think of we'll the put children. Yourself through this.
2: Then this saga obviously has been going on since sort of March 2020 or certainly uh, that summer to now and so there there are two BC. legal
3: 20 2020 BC Chris. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so So there there are two legal cases ongoing though but this 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 one is Mike Ashley's own personal uh, case against the Premier League and it's basically an anti-competition case that he's bringing so what what we heard on Wednesday was Um, a jurisdiction hearing with the Premier League essentially are trying to get this case thrown out before it even begins because they argue that arbitration which is um, to do with the Premier League's owners and directors test and will determine whether or not uh, members of the Saudi Arabian government need to be submitted to the owners and directors test which is the reason why the test never progressed in the summer of 2020 anyway. Basically they are arguing that that these cases are both too similar this one from Mike Ashley, doesn't need to be heard and so this really primarily is more about Mike Ashley. Equally, though, there were some interesting revelations about arbitration. So before now, after arbitration was delayed in July, all we knew is that it was quote-unquote early 2020 that will take place. Well now, we've learned, I think it was eight minutes into the the proceedings that the Premier League's uh, QC revealed that Arbitration is due to start on or around January the 3rd. Now, January the 3rd is supposed to be a bank holiday, so it may not actually be on that day, but he's adamant that it will start... The Premier League are adamant it will start in early January uh, of 2022, that the case will last little more than a week. And so they're, they're even adamant that... The, the case could be concluded and if it concludes positively in, 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 for Newcastle United they have argued the Premier League are arguing that then if the Saudis do not have to be submitted to the owners and directors test that they that the, the consortium would then pass the owners and directors test and therefore the takeover would then be able to take place and they argue that could be before the end of the January window. So on the one hand you had the Premier League who were very very positive about the fact that Takeover. Weirdly, the Premier League, are the ones who have stopped it from happening up to this point because of that, were very adamant that the takeover could, in theory, happen because they want this cat case to be thrown out. And then you had Daniel Jowell, QC, who is Magashi's lawyer, coming in and arguing that, well, actually, we don't know whether the takeover parties are still there. We don't know, even if they are still there, we don't know whether the 305 million, but he didn't say the 305 million price, but he basically said, we don't know if the price is still going to remain the same. So we're going from one side to the other of of, of basically flipping the argument and and the, because Mike Ashley is adamant that he wants this cat case to run alongside arbitration, he's basically downplaying the the chances of a takeover, which he is still pushing behind the scenes in which everything at St James's Park is basically on hold for this specific takeover so it was a very very weird day in that sense that you almost that those arguments were flipped in that sense
1: yeah. In arguing Mike Ashley's case, it was suggested as well that there have been other credible bids have existed. George, do we know anything about this?
3: We know that there have been other people circling around for a very long time. The issue is, is that they haven't got Saudi Arabia's money. So Mike Ashley has put everything into either resurrecting that or, or you know, looking for compensation or looking a way through because, you know, they're the, they're the cash bidders here. So there are others. It's interesting to hear that, to hear that said. But, you know, th- this version of the takeover is the one that would give him the money that he wants. Whether others would is a very different question. But yeah, we know of Americans waiting in the wings and so on and so forth. But whether they would be a transformative takeover for Newcastle is a, is a very different matter.
2: Just to contextualise that as well, the reason that we heard the other Credible Bids lane was because part of the way Mike Ashley is trying to get the cat case to continue is that he's arguing that even if the takeover was to be passed via arbitration, he's had to wait 18 months nearly two years for this takeover to happen and that the re- part of the reason why they kept on reiterating that they don't know if, if the consortium would pay the same sort of price is because because of this time frame that has been extended over that period of time. And so they, they tried to show the difference between what they called quote-unquote current market value of the club and the difference between that and the bid that was lodged. Now, it was confidential, the information that was put forward as to exactly how much the bid is and exactly how much the difference is, but what was revealed is that a substantial loss that exceeds £10 million. And so the way they tried to calculate the current market value of the club was to say that they used other quote-unquote credible bids which had been put in for Newcastle. There was no context given as to when, no context as to who. So I think that it's also, again, sort of almost like trying to embellish that fact to try and prove that Meg is losing out on money between one take over another because previously the words out of the club or from people close to the club have been that other bids have not been to, to, to Mike Ashley's liking and I think that George is right there in the sense that this is all about the value he wants from this deal. He's been offered a specific price by the consortium and that's the price that he wants.
1: Also, George, you pointed out to us that it's four years this week to the uh, the weekend since Amanda Stavely came to St James's Park for that first time and took in that Liverpool game four years it seems like yesterday doesn't it no it seems like (laughs) it it seems
3: like three billion years ago i mean it's just and yeah i mean so uh if if she gets credit for anything it's for it's for perseverance and for for hanging around yeah Yeah, i mean i um when i interviewed her and Dad gadusi husband i mean briefly when it all fell through last year he talked about that day and he said that day we first walked in it was a dark gray evening against liverpool he walked in up the stairs through the director's area and out into the stadium and you just felt this tremendous energy. It was incredible. As a Londoner, I'd go to Chelsea or Tottenham games and I'd never experienced anything like it. Amanda and I just looked at each other and said, this is it, this is the club we should be buying. And I met I met them wow. briefly that night. I knew they were coming and knew that there was sort of something in the air, but it's not like there was anything, you know, sort of uh, definitive. It, you know, they both do say it was that night that sort of persuaded them to go for it. And here we are four years later, <laughs> still in this exact same situation i obviously have and do still regularly speak to the people that would have been kind of in charge of her football operation and um you know it's a very different situation now than it was back then um in that spring when to use those horrible words you know they were told that there were no no red flags and that something could happen very very quickly they were kind of poised with potential deals with players they were poised with you know with ideas about managers and things like that, and. They haven't gone away in that sense, they're still there, people have had to kind of get on with their lives. I mean, you know, various points, you know, last year they'd been house hunting and and things like that, you know, people have been house hunting, but there's nothing like that kind of happening now. But there are still conversations and there are still recruitment conversations. It's just they're very, very difficult to keep doing that because people they thought of or approached, well, four years ago you know, Benitez was still manager and they wanted Benitez to That's stay. There have yeah. been, been various moments over the last couple of years when they thought the stars might align and Rafa might be available again. And, you know, the same thing with players. I mean, they've had things, quote unquote, lined up. I mean, not deals definitively lined up, but ideas of who they wanted and sort of had conversation with agents and things like that. But all of those players have moved on or committed themselves to where they are now. Those sorts of conversations are still happening. But I mean, and I think you know there is a chance um that something might happen in january so they sort of have to be on their guard if that's the right word but i mean i think i think they have the same sort of opinion that i would which is that we sort of have to get on with life and assume it's not going to happen because all the evidence that we've had so far is that it's not happening and it and it hasn't happened so i don't think there's any sort of sense of life changing imminence about it because we've all become sort of immune to that and that the best way to to proceed is to is to sort of you know is to presume that it's not happening and uh if something does happen then it's
2: obviously a bonus just to very briefly sum up how it finished as well on wednesday the the case which throughout the day uh, it had been refreshing to hear throughout that um mr justice robert miles was the chair of it was very keen for it to be public as much as possible. So at a couple of points, the Premier League asked for the live feed to be turned off because there was things that were confidential and that were to do with arbitration. And he, he accepted one of their applications to do so. He rejected the other one, and his argument was that this is... the. the about arbitration have already been made public and we believe that this hearing should be in public and that, that, that there is a public interest as he kept saying in this and that was refreshing to hear that actually Newcastle fans who've had so little information or so little clarity throughout this process were actually being listened to in one sense from that so that, that was refreshing and then throughout the day I mean we heard various different accusations which have been leveled already by the prospective buyers Nashi that there were claims that both being in sports and a quote-unquote a number of major Premier League clubs joined in the lobbying against the takeover deal there was being sports Mina Premier League TV rights extension which was cited and there was also a quite an explosive allegation which was made almost in passing by Mr Daniel gel that the Premier League made a threat to stop the club from playing in the competition there was no context given to that and with no relation to when it was. But it was just interesting to hear all these arguments. We did arguments that ages ago. If the, if, if the further... Ca- we did that ages ago, Chris. Come on.
3: We haven't, we haven't, if, played, in, if, we haven't played in the Premier League. I know you're, I know you're doggedly <laughs> trying to carry on with your very serious point, which is to your, to your credit. But you credit. in the wrong to, place, Chris. I, but I want to keep saying this until you acknowledge it. We stopped doing that a long time ago, Chris. So
2: further context was not provided this as- time. <laughs> To when the war, but 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 it, so we we got all these arguments, which were basically a, a, a preview of what would happen if the if the if the cat case was allowed to go ahead. But as positive as it was that we were, that there was all of this information, well, more information we had previously and the, the acknowledgement of public interest, it sort of ended a little bit unsatisfactorily. Where just at the end, it was sort of all right. That's the end of this hearing. We're not going to make a decision today, but you'll find out sort of in due course. And so we don't yet know no when exactly though, we're going to hear. No spoilers, Whether this cat case can happen? I mean, by the time this podcast is out, in theory, I suppose that uh, that cat could have. I'm just, I'm just refreshing the cat website just to check. No, there is still no. So the, no the judgment. cat is so still not out, is out of pending. the bag, is it?
3: We stopped competing yeah. in the Premier League ages ago, didn't we, Chris?
1: <laughs> yes, we did, Chris. <laughs> Acknowledge if me, anybody. Chris.
3: Refusal,
1: <laughs> annoying, annoying referee. Typical referee. Just ignoring everybody. Right, that's enough of that nonsense. I'm starting to get thoroughly bored with all this legal stuff. I'll be perfectly honest with you. If somebody could wake me up when it's all done, that would be great.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Right then. George. You've been writing about a very interesting thing this week, and that was tribalism in football. There's lots of interesting stuff in there about enmity and the ugliness that often accompanies it, uh, which we don't want to talk about uh, today. But I must strongly suggest to those listeners who haven't read the article that you get yourselves on the Athletic website or the app, and do so. Uh, George, you quoted author Andrew Lorne in that article, saying tribalism brings a sense of belonging, a sense of being part of something bigger than you, and that your role in it matters, which in turn gets us thinking about what. What's really missing for Newcastle United at the moment, doesn't it?
3: Absolutely does, yeah. The, the I mean, the context for that piece was was actually sort of the Liverpool-Man City game and a piece that um, one of our Man City writers had, had written, which in the comment section degenerated into this back and forth, basically, between Man City and Liverpool fans about attendances and things like that. And, you know, we know Guardiola talking. And there was this despairing voice from a American subscriber who basically said, I don't understand this it's like you he, he he described it as a dick measuring contest it's like it's like you're more you're more interested in size of attendances than you are in the football and it's like is it what, what i mean is this what it's all? what's going on you know it's like you're the global game and yet you're tiny and it's like yeah mate that's that's what we're all about i mean that's what football is and it's it is about dick measuring it's and so it was I mean, it was kind of I was tickled by that by that kind of comment, and so uh, so that was the sort of idea behind the piece, leading up to sort of um, Man City, uh, Liverpool, Man City. But but yeah, it. I mean, Andy Lorne, is uh, he's an author. He's written about um, sort of football chanting, but he's also a Norwich fan and is part of a Norwich podcast, um, along come Norwich. And but they're also like an atmosphere. They're also interested in sort of atmosphere generation um, and how to make an atmosphere in a stadium hostile. But at the same time staying on the right side of the law and staying on the right side of decency and taste. And it's quite a difficult thing. I mean, but you know, the point is that for us to have a for us to be us, we also need a need a them. You know, for you to stand for something, you've got to have you've got to stand up against somebody else. And I think the sort of beauty of football, when it's expressed right, is just that tiny little petty, pathetic yeah. um point scoring. I mean like at Wolves yeah. on Saturday, and this is you know, this is very, very trivial, but Wolves fans sang there's only one Mike Ashley. And there's only one reason to do that. And it's just to just to fuck off Newcastle fans in a tiny little way. And it's sort of you know, and it's like it it doesn't mean anything apart from that. And it's those sort of little things that actually are one of the kind of best things about football. When it's done you know, when it's done right, we get this huge enjoyment out of just ripping the piss out of yeah. out of other out of other people, don't we? There's a, there was a quote I quoted um, Jose Mourinho in that piece, and he, when he was Chelsea manager, they played at Sheffield United, and he said something like, "This places like this are the soul of English football." The crowd were magnificent, singing "Fuck off, Mourinho," <laughs> and it's like you either get yeah. it. Or you don't yeah. get it, and I think that is, mag- and personally, I think that is magnific- magnificent. Um, and I think we have lost that a bit as Newcastle fans, because, and because the sad truth, we are, yeah. and we've we've seen this a lot in the last few days, uh, certainly on Twitter, that we're far too busy um, sniping at each other um, yeah. than we are in sniping at at other clubs in a in a petty and pedantic yeah. manner, which can be very mm-hmm. funny. I mean, you know. Um so anyway I don't know whether, whether whether you guys have any thoughts on that but yeah no I mean I enjoyed I enjoyed writing that piece
1: absolutely and it was great to read as well Chris we don't this is the thing with Newcastle isn't it we don't really have a premier league rival and our local rivalries with with Middlesbrough and Sunderland etc they 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 lie in dormant and I honestly can't remember the last time we actively took the piss out of opposition fans it's a shame isn't it because you kind of I miss that a little bit you know
2: yeah i mean it's 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 just sort of the occasion, as George is saying sort of the occasion sort of what um we have grown up with it's 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 that us and them but in a sort of I mean large of it that obviously it sometimes does go uh, crosses a line, but that large parts of it can just be um it, it's jovial, it's fun it, it it sort of just adds to the atmosphere. It's, it's part of the experience mm, for for, yeah. for so many people and, and yeah Newcastle fans haven't had that. I mean they still you still hear them singing about Sunderland quite a lot. All yeah. um, although Sunderland oh, the, I was going to say Sunderland haven't been getting battered as much but I suppose they did lose 4-0 the weekend but in general they haven't been getting battered that much so they haven't been able to sing those songs. but equally it's just it's, and that that's why I, I think we saw that how much people missed that but when Newcastle played Sunderland uh, well Newcastle under 23s played Sunderland in the uh, whatever the Papa John's Trophy, whatever it was called, then a couple of years ago at <laughs> yeah. the Stadium of Light, that there was several thousand Newcastle fans went there, and several thousand Southern fans turned up as well because mm. people long for that. They long for that sort of uh, local one-upmanship, and that—that's what—that's what we all need. It, it just—it—it it, for us, it adds to the experience. I suppose if you haven't grown up in it, it probably does seem petty. It probably does seem strange. But for for people who've always grown up feeling that way, then it is part of the match day experience. Really,
1: it can sear itself into your into your psyche as a football fan though can't it the, the the thing that comes back to me quite often is the Aston Villa game the the relegation yeah. game the banner that a sob on the tyne and all that who's your next messiah and or deck and we I've never had a problem with Aston Villa in my life and suddenly hated every single yeah. one of their fans overnight and it endures to this day doesn't it it's it's a strange one that's a classic
3: one and I quoted the fella who actually made those banners and he just said, it was just a piss take. He said, isn't that yeah. what football's all about? It's just a piss take. It's like, there's nothing more to it than, you know, nothing more to it than that. And the more that the Geordie's gone about it, the funnier it becomes. Yeah. And that, you know, it, it did at the time for, for Newcastle, it felt like, Christ, you know, we've gone through this season. It's the most toxic season in our history. We've got to the end of it. We're going we're gonna to go down. And it's like, you know, there's no empathy. I mean, you don't expect, you know, yeah. there's never empathy in football. It's like, there's no empathy here there's no like sense of understanding it's just you know it's like sticking the v's up at your lows or you know grinding your hand into the ground when you're you're on the ground all that kind of stuff but it was just a piss mistake and that's all it was there was nothing more to it than that and i so in that sense i'm pleased i used those quotes from that fella because it it put it more into kind of context i mean i I think again just to go back to newcastle now i think the problem is that that newcastle's enemies newcastle's tribal enemies are within and so, and it's very difficult, you know, Newcastle Newcastle fans are looking inwards, they're not looking out, they're not looking out at, okay, fine, the odds, Summerland champ, but it's like there's no time to have fun, because, you know, the owner is the enemy, but the owner has, is also now an ally, because he's made the Premier League the enemy, um, and the owner is also sort of, you know, Steve Bruce is there as a human shield, and so he's the enemy, Yeah. and you know, the enemy's... The enemies are internal. So when Newcastle is sort of doing these, you know, again at Wolves, it wasn't it wasn't uh, all the way through the game, but repeatedly through the game, the chants from Newcastle fans are "Get out of our club," and uh, we want Brucie out. And so the tribalism is within the within our own tribe, and that is,
0: you know, that's really that's
3: really, it's really sort of disappointing because it stops. You know, it's not fun it's quite to have worrying, a go at your, Yeah, it's not fun to have a go at your own your own tribe that's not what it's all about it's about us and them but and that actually reminds me of that war flags flag from last season and it was steve bruce not one of us wasn't it or something like that or you'll never be one of us so again us what does us mean at newcastle it means Mm. something very very different so you know the them at them at newcastle are the people who should be us
1: and also as well george if you if you have a look at the comments of that on that article at the minute there was uh, an american reader in there uh the poor sap uh, bless him uh, and says he picked newcastle as his team during the euros oh no why would you do it you can so literally sorry. pick any team so <laughs> sorry for your loss so sorry for your loss we're born into this nonsense we have to have this this is what we get you didn't need to choose this life this life chose us it's it's such a shame I've no idea why anybody would <laughs> subject themselves to this team. Anyway, no. uh, a couple of uh, a couple of comments as well, and one that particularly uh, stuck out in the article as well, which I found was was quite entertaining. Uh, from Martin V, City Ground, Nottingham, 1996, Forest at home to Newcastle a few days. After Kevin Keegan's infamous rant, this was the peak time when nobody apart from Man United fans wanted them to win the league. uh, And we had all adopted Newcastle as our second team. So Beardsley scores in front of the Trent end. There's a brief pause while everyone collectively decides how to react. And then in perfect harmony, the entire Trent, Trent end erupts in cheers because Newcastle are now beating us and on their way to the title. Come on. Come on, into the second half. Ian Warren wellies one in from miles out uh, into the top corner. Uh, an absolutely glorious strike, and the ground erupts Ugh. again, knowing we've almost certainly just deprived Newcastle of the title. And my God, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen.
0: You can do <laughs> one Martin That just sums v. it up, v. doesn't it?
3: Do one Martin V. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. yes. Get, exactly. Out comments, <laughs> Get out of our comments, Martin. Get out of our comments. <laughs> well, to be fair, it wasn't just our comments. That was everybody's comments. But uh, but yeah, no, that's football. That is football. and uh, It certainly any- is. Any excuse, any excuse. Although that's that hurts mine. That, that that bites,
1: actually, that bites. It does. There's no need for that. Kicking a man when he's down. Uh, anyway, just before we get finished, uh, reasons to be cheerful is something we've been trying to do over the last few weeks in an effort to uh, live on the bright side of the street. But we're fed up uh, of being told to take the positives, so in typically petulant pot in the time fashion, we're not going to do it this week. Is that all right, George? Oof.
3: That's saved... <laughs> that,
2: saved, that saved it a bit. Yeah, that saved it a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. It's because c- George has broken a team I left them in perfectly good condition. Unbeaten in two before I left Shut up, Chris. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's a, what a ridiculous thing to say. You've broken the entire oh. club,
3: referee.
1: Absolutely. Chris, you're going to be refereeing uh, under-11's games in the Russell Foster League this weekend, telling kids to get back another 10 yards, just upsetting
2: people, spoiling people's weekends. Just book people in general, just walking down the streets. Just uh, That's a yellow. No, contact.
1: <laughs> right. That's it, chaps. Uh, we'll be back next week for another episode of Pod in the Time. Uh, and it's the international break as well. So we'll be on the lookout for some questions from the listeners and the readers, I'm sure. So keep your eyes peeled on Twitter and the real time section of the athletic app. And you can let us know what keeps you up at night other than visiting Chris's local curry house, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank you uh, both to you guys Chris and George it's always a pleasure thanks a lot even in the bleakest times and thanks to you lot out there as well for listening and if you're so inclined and you haven't done it already please give us a rating uh, and leave a glowing review with your podcast provider okay that's it chaps say bye 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 Chris bye bye that wasn't Chris i went early <laughs> you I, did you I, went, I went you've early. gone premature there sorry au revoir au revoir chris for now that's it take care of yourselves and cheerio do you want me to do that last little bit again <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just can't control this fan. is the
1: thing I've lost control of the dressing room I've, I've lost the dressing
3: room I've, it's just is absolute mutiny
1: that's very apt <laughs>
0: an official partner of The Athletic.